Chapter Twelve of the Conquest of Canaan by Booth Tarkington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: To remain on the field of battle is not always a victory. Mamie, waiting just inside the door as Ariel and Eugene entered, gave the visitor a pale greeting and a moment later hearing the wheels of the brougham crunch the gravel of the carriage drive hurried away down the broad hall and disappeared ariel dropped her parasol upon a marble-topped table near the door and removing her gloves drifted into a room at the left where a grand piano found shelter beneath crimson plush after a moment of contemplation she pushed back the coverlet and seating herself upon the plush-covered piano-stool to match let her fingers run up and down the keyboard once and fall listlessly in her lap as she gazed with deep interest at three life-sized colored photographs in carved gilt frames upon the wall she was facing judge pike mamie and mrs pike with her rubies please don't stop playing miss tabor said a voice behind her she had not observed that eugene had followed her into the room very well if you like she answered looking up to smile absently at him and she began to play a rakish little air which composed by some rattle-brain at a cafe table had lately skipped out of the moulin rouge to disport itself over paris she played it slowly in the minor with elfish pathos while he leaned upon the piano his eyes fixed upon her fingers which bore few rings none he observed with an unreasonable pleasure upon the third finger of the left hand it's one of those simpler grig things isn't it he said sighing gently i care for grig would you mind its being chaminade she returned dropping her eyes to cloak the sand oh no i recognize it now replied eugene he appeals to me even more than cried at this she glanced quickly up at him but more quickly down again and hastened the time emphatically swinging the little air into the major you play pilgrim's chorus she shook her head Unam pas wagner inquired eugene leaning toward her oh yes she answered bending her head far over so that her face was concealed from him except the chin which he saw with a thrill of inexplicable emotion was trembling slightly there were some small white flowers upon her hat and these shook too she stopped playing abruptly rose from the stool and crossed the room to a large mahogany chair upholstered in red velvet and of hybrid construction possessing both rockers and legs she had moved in a way which prevented him from seeing her face but he was certain of her agitation and strangely glad while curious tremulous half-thoughts edged with prophecy bubbled to the surface of his consciousness when she turned to him he was surprised to see that she looked astonishingly happy almost as if she had been struggling with joy instead of pain this chair she said sinking into it makes me feel at home naturally he could not understand because she explained i once thought i was going to live in it it has been reupholstered but i should know it if i met it anywhere in the world how very odd exclaimed eugene staring 
I settled here in pioneer days, she went on, tapping the arms lightly with her fingertips. It was the last dance I went to in Canaan. I fear the town was very provincial at that time, he returned, having completely forgotten the occasion she mentioned, therefore wishing to shift the subject. I fear you may still find it so. There's not much here that one is in sympathy with, intellectually. Few people, really, of the world. Few people, I suppose you mean, she said softly, with a look that went deep enough into his eyes. Few people who really understand one. There has been, he answered with the ghost of a sigh, no one. She turned her head slightly away from him, apparently occupied with a loose thread in her sleeve. There were no loose threads. It was an old habit of hers which she retained. I suppose, she murmured in a voice as low as his had been, that a man of your sort might find Canaan rather lonely and sad. It has been whereupon she made him a little laughing bow are you sure you complain of canaan yes he exclaimed you don't know what it is to live here i think i do i lived here seventeen years oh yes he began to object as a child but have you any recollection she interrupted of the day before your brother ran away of coming home for vacation i think it was your first year in college and intervening between your brother and me in a snow-fight for a moment he was genuinely perplexed then his face cleared certainly he said i found him bullying you and gave him a good punishing for it is that all you remember yes he replied honestly wasn't that all quite she smiled her eyes half closed except that i went home immediately afterward naturally said eugene my stepbrother wasn't very much cavalier sans peur et sans reproach. Ah, I should like to polish up my French a little. Would you mind my asking you to read a bit with me some little thing of Daudet's, if you care for him, in the original? An hour now and then, perhaps. Mamie appeared in the doorway, and Eugene rose swiftly. I've been trying to persuade Miss Tabor, he explained with something too much of laughter, to play again. You heard that little thing of Charmenade's? Mamie did not appear to hear him. She entered breathlessly, and there was no color in her cheeks. Ariel, she exclaimed, I don't want you to think I'm a tale-bearer. Oh, my dear, Ariel said with a gesture of deprecation. No, Miss Pike went on all in one breath, but I'm afraid you will think it, because Papa knows and he wants to see you. What is it that he knows? That you were walking with Joseph Loudon this was as if she had said that you poisoned your mother i didn't tell him but when we saw you with him i was troubled and asked eugene what i'd better do because eugene always knows what is best mr bantry's expression despite this tribute was not happy and he advised me to tell mamma about it and leave it in her hands but she always tells papa everything certainly that's understood said ariel slowly turning to smile at eugene and she told him this right away mamie finished why shouldn't she if it is of the slightest interest to him the daughter of the house exhibited signs of consternation he wants to see you she repeated falteringly he's in the library having thus discharged her errand she hastened to the front door which had been left open and out to the steps 
evidently with the intention of removing herself as soon and as far as possible from the vicinity of the library eugene visibly perturbed followed her to the doorway of the room and paused do you know the way he inquired with a note of solemnity where ariel had not risen to the library of course she said beaming upon him i was about to ask you if you wouldn't speak to the judge for me this is such a comfortable old friend this chair speak to him for you repeated the nonplussed eugene she nodded cheerfully if i may trouble you tell him certainly i should be glad to see him he threw a piteous glance after mamie who was now as he saw through the open door out upon the lawn and beyond easy hailing distance when he turned again to look at ariel he discovered that she had shifted the position of her chair slightly and was gazing out of the window with every appearance of cheerful meditation she assumed so unmistakably that he had of course gone on her mission that dismayed and his soul quaking he could find neither an alternative nor words to explain to this dazzling lady that not he nor any other could bear such a message to martin pike eugene went there was nothing else to do and he wished with every step that the distance to the portals of the library might have been greater in whatever guise he delivered the summons it was perfectly efficacious a door slammed a heavy and rapid tread was heard in the hall and ariel without otherwise moving turned her head and offered a brilliant smile of greeting it was good of you she said as the doorway filled with red imperial wrath to wish to have a little chat with me i am anxious of course to go over my affairs with you and last night after my journey i was too tired but now we might begin not in detail of course just yet that will do for later when i've learned more about business the great one had stopped on the threshold madam he began coldly when i say library i mean my oh yes she interrupted with amiable weariness i know you mean to keep all the papers and books of the estate in there but i think we'd better put them off for a few days i'm not talking about the estate he exclaimed what i want to talk to you about is being seen with joseph louden yes she nodded brightly that's along the line we must take up first yes it is he hurled his bull bass at her you knew everything about him and his standing in this community i know you did because mrs pike told me you asked all about him from mamie after you came last night and see here don't you oh but i knew before that she laughed i had a correspondent in canaan who has always taken a great interest in mr louden i asked miss pike only to get her point of view i want to tell you madam he shouted coming toward her that no member of my household that's another point we must take up to-day i'm glad you remind me of it she said thoughtfully yet with so magically compelling an intonation that he stopped his shouting in the middle of a word stopped with an apoplectic splutter we must arrange to put the old house in order at once we'll arrange nothing of the sort he responded after a moment of angry silence we're going to stay right here ah i know your hospitality she bowed graciously but of course i must not tax it too far 
and about mr louden as i said i want to speak to you about him yes he intervened harshly so do i and i'm going to do it quick you'll find again she mysteriously baffled him he's a dear old friend of mine you know and i've made up my mind that we both need his help you and i what yes she continued calmly in a business way i mean i know you have great interest in a hundred directions all more important than mine it isn't fair that you should bear the whole burden of my affairs and i think it will be best to retain mr louden as my man of business he could take all the cares of the estate off your shoulders martin pike spoke no word but he looked at her strangely and she watched him with sudden keenness leaning forward in her chair her gaze alert but quiet fixed on the dilating pupils of his eyes he seemed to become dizzy and the caloric scarlet which had overspread his broad face and big neck faded splotchily still keeping her eyes upon him she went on i haven't asked him yet and so i don't know whether or not he'll consent but i think it possible that he may come to see me this afternoon and if he does we can propose it to him together and go over things a little judge pike recovered his voice he'll get a warm welcome he promised huskily if he sets foot on my premises you mean you prefer i shouldn't receive him here she nodded pleasantly then certainly i shall not such things are much better for offices you are quite right you'll not see him at all ah judge pike she lifted her hand with gentle deprecation don't you understand that we can't quite arrange that you see mr louden is even an older friend of mine than you are and so i must trust his advice about such things more than yours of course if he too should think it better for me not to see him the judge advanced toward her i'm tired of this he began in a loud voice i'm she moved as if to rise but he had come very close leaning above her one arm outstretched and at the end of it a heavy forefinger which he was shaking at her so that it was difficult to get out of her chair without pushing him away a feat apparently impossible ariel tabor in rising placed her hand upon his outstretched arm quite as if he had offered it to assist her he fell back a step in complete astonishment she rose quickly and released his arm thank you she said beamingly it's quite all my fault that you're tired i've been thoughtless to keep you so long and you have been standing too she swept lightly and quickly to the door where she paused gathering her skirts i shall not detain you another instant and if mr louden comes this afternoon i'll remember i'll not let him come in of course it will be perhaps pleasanter to talk over my proposition as we walk there was a very faint spicy odor like wild roses and cinnamon left in the room where martin pike stood alone staring whitely at the open doorway End of chapter twelve